0: everybody, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 98 of the John Riley Project. We are broadcasting, as we always do, from the city in the country, Poway, California. It's December 12th, 2019. Man, it's 12-12, and I know we got a full moon going on tonight. I, I saw some people sh- taking photos online last night, and it's going to be a special night tonight with a big full moon. But man, we got so much to talk about. We really do. We, we, we're we're going to get into more of this Poway water situation. I'm, it, it's kind of unfolding and there's more intrigue, more things we're discovering. I'm going to break some of that down. We're going to talk a little bit about Poway restaurants and some of the challenges they're facing and the things that are happening in our community. And I also want to speak to... The challenge of a restaurant owner in general, uh, because we, we got some news about some restaurants closing in Encinitas and I want to share some stories there, some commonality. So man, we got so much to get into. Um, and really want to share all this, but you know, I, I want to just give you some highlights, different things going on in my world. Um, I don't know about you, but we're getting ready for the holidays, man. We're like, what is it, 13 days away from Christmas? Uh, your shopping season is closing soon. Um, I also, I think I told this story on one of my previous podcasts. This is kind of a goofy one for me, but um, I just, just a few days ago, I celebrated my, well, celebrated, I'll put that in quotes, my 17 year anniversary of the day that I fell off my roof putting up my Christmas lights. And, um, This is back when I lived in the Garden Road area, and we had set up lights on our home on multiple levels, and... Um, it was one day, it was like the, it was, I remember it was December 8th. It was the same day that John Lennon died. Um, I almost died on that same day. I fell off the roof, landed on the concrete driveway on my shoulder and on the side of my face and um, had broken bones like around my eye socket and my shoulder blade and I broke my wrist and was in the hospital for a week and I was out of work for three months. So we, we no longer hang up Christmas lights unless it's something I can reach without a ladder. So if you, if you're doing Christmas lights, man, be careful out there. There's a guy that one of my clients, um, you know, one of the people that work there, he, he fell off his roof, um, over the weekend, broke his back. Um, he was putting up his Christmas lights. He broke his back, um, and is now in the hospital. So man, it's, uh, Be careful out there, I'll tell you. Um, But uh, what else going on? Yeah, the Aztecs, that huge last-second win over the San Jose State Spartans. That was an amazing shot by Malachi Flynn. Love that. And then... Um, yeah, just, you know, just so much going on this time of the year. Uh, family coming into town. My daughter's moving up to San Francisco. So uh, really happy we're able to get this podcast in and share it with you. Oh, the other crazy thing. I don't know. With all these rains, you know, it disrupted all the water and Poway. We have a leak in our roof. And... Um, calling the roofers around this time of the year. They're, they're all busy. And I contacted three roofers. Only one of them got back to me. He tells me the soonest he can work on the roof is February. Um, so I don't know what we're going to do. So it's in the corner of our living room, little drip, drip, drips sneaking through our roof. So um, man, uh, juggling a lot of balls lately. So anyways, um, yeah, let's talk about the Poway water situation and some of the new developments and yeah, there's just been a lot going on. And I, I I did my last podcast on December 3rd. So it's been a little over a week. And at that time, you know, I was thinking that this was on Tuesday of last week. And I was thinking that, yeah, it's probably not going to last much longer. And sure enough, they lifted the BWA, it was the boil water um, advisory. They lifted that last Friday. Um, that was Friday the 6th. And and so, and people are starting to use their water again. And you could imagine there's just all kinds of things that are happening with this because we all went through a difficult time that week without being able to really use our water unless we went, you know, and boiled it and went through that whole, you know, rigmarole. But, um, You know, our community is still kind of feeling the pain from this. Now, one of the things that's interesting is the city handed out bottled water, and I actually went down to city hall, and I think it was probably Wednesday or Thursday night last week. And man, I'll tell you, they had a really good operation. You know, and they had all these volunteers, and they had cases of water. And this is an amazing stat: the city paid for and distributed 465 pallets of water during the crisis, or about 892,000 water bottles. So, I mean, they obviously had to do something uh, because they were on the hook. Uh, but I I mean, it's a crisis. I'm not downplaying the problems that existed, but I thought that they handled the water distribution pretty well. Um, environmentalists are probably all up in arms with nearly a million plastic water bottles floating around Poway right now. But... Um, you know, hey, you can get your money back. You take that to the recycle center. Um, you can get make a couple of bucks back on that. Um, but so, anyways, I just want to get into the community response and the restaurants and the politics and Steve Voss, and, and there's just a lot to this. Um, so first of all, the community is really rallying since the water ordinance has been lifted. And there's been a major effort amongst people in our community to really help out the restaurants. Cause there were nearly 200 businesses that had to shut down. You know, they were either restaurants or bars or food preparation. And I honestly, I was surprised there was that many, but there were a lot of businesses that were impacted. And you know, this is during the holiday season and these workers kind of live pay to check to paycheck and they depend on those tips and you know you're out of work for a week i mean that's a that's a real curveball in your personal finances so there's been some special moments here where you know there was a person that went to the mainstream bar and grill here in Poway and left a thousand dollar tip for a waitress, which it was a news story. It was that's remarkable. I saw another uh, Facebook post from someone here in town and they gathered all their friends together. I had a group of 30 or 40 people. They went to a restaurant. They all ordered a meal and they all just brought a hundred dollar bill and they you know, the leftover was the tip. So where well, they probably spent I'm going to make up some numbers, maybe 20 bucks on a meal and $80 tip. And that was a group of 30 or 40 people that did that together. So you're seeing a lot of people really generous and really trying to help out. And, you know, that kind of community spirit has been wonderful. I mean, I really like that. And, And there's a lot of people that are just really pumping up the volume, you know, support your Poway restaurants, you know, really help out the workers, help out the business owners. It's really important. And you know, there's a guy in town, Phil Factor, who, by the way, we met Phil uh, a few months ago when we went and visited with the Poway protesters. Phil Factor started up a GoFundMe for um, you know the for Poway restaurant workers, and if you look it up on GoFundMe, it's SOS Poway for the holidays. He has a seventy thousand dollar goal, you know, and he's he's making progress. I think he's up to thirty five hundred. So, you know, big shout out to Phil Factor here in Poway. I know he's going to be running for. City Council in 2020. So community activists really trying to do the right thing, trying to rally the community to all chip in, to help these people that legitimately need help because they got worked over when the city, you know, didn't handle the water situation properly. Um, and then, you know, the Poway Chamber um, has really stepped up, the Poway Chamber of Commerce, and they've st- set up this new program called Eat Big Tip Big. And I think that's great. And so they, that's one of the hashtags Eat Big Tip Big, and hashtag Poway Restaurant Month, and hashtag uh, Eat Poway. And so. That's I mean, that's exactly what you would expect a chamber of commerce to do is to really prop up the businesses in the community, really rallying people to eat more locally, to support our local restaurants. Um, there's also an interesting website that popped up, and I'm not exactly sure who's behind this, uh, but it's eatpoway.com. And hey, they're doing a really good job. You know, they're trying to, you know, have a platform where a lot of restaurants are featured, and it's really good timing with this whole, um, you know, focus on Poway restaurants. So that's great. Um, and they, even the Poway Chamber, they're offering a free 90-day membership to any non-chamber membership restaurant a member restaurant owner who has been affected by the water crisis. So they're trying to make it easy for them to hook up with the Poway Chamber. And, you know, when you're a member of the Chamber of Commerce, you kind of work cooperatively with other business people. You get greater exposure in the community. And so they're trying to help out those business owners. That's all great. Um, And then, you know, one piece of criticism is the city of Poway jumped on board with this as well. And, you know, there's this spirit and everyone's feeling you know, they want to help and everyone's trying to do the right thing. But sometimes when people try to do the right thing, they go too far. And the city government has a a pretty active social media presence on Facebook. And I've, I've, I think the city can play a very good role in helping support our business community in general. And obviously, the city has a vested interest in that because they're all interested in in property tax revenue and income tax revenue. And so they want to prop up the local economy. So that makes sense. Um, But one of the things that I saw is that they were running the city was running a promotion where they were propping up specific businesses, which is something I really had a problem with because- it creates a, you know, a sense of like a perception of cronyism, a perception of, you know, the the government supporting some businesses and not others, and this is kind of tricky. And I know people are falling over their se- themselves trying to help out local businesses, but when the government, essentially the rule makers, when the rule makers are propping up some businesses and not others, it creates a perception of. Um, Like I say, cronyism, unlevel playing fields. Um, So I I don't know. I called out the city of Poway, but you know they were um, they responded by saying, "Oh well, if someone hashtags us, and then we'll or you know, uh, yeah, someone that hashtags you know a certain keyword, then they were going to promote or share that post." And I don't know. So people are again falling over themselves, trying to help out. In some cases, the city government going too far, but. Yeah, let's take a look at what's happening, you know, with some of the local news and and what's happening with government and these businesses. Um some of the restaurants, you know, the water ordinance was lifted on Friday of last week, but some of them actually started opening up earlier on Wednesday and Thursday. And people were asking how How did you open up?" And some of them they got uh, they came up with creative solutions. They came up with they got water from external sources. Maybe they had limited menus. They did creative things just to remain in business. And these are some businesses were just the exception, but they had to go out and get a conditional use permit, you know, where they had to go to the government, in this case, I think it was the county, and pay money to get a permit so they can have a temporary, um, essentially a, a temporary license to do business while the BWA is in effect. And immediately you're thinking this is crazy. The government itself is what caused the problem. And now the government wants to charge these businesses that are trying to be creative entrepreneurs, charge them. It was like $459 just so they can stay in business when the government itself was the one that screwed up with the water system. And I thought, this is just immoral. And, and then thankfully, some of the people at the, at the county level, um, you know, on the county board of supervisors, they waived the fee. Um, you know, so that was, uh, I guess it was a 4-0 vote, and Supervisor Kristen Gaspar was absent. That's kind of odd. Um, Gaspar is actually the one from North County Coastal. She's actually tight with Steve Voss, the mayor here in Poway. Um, interesting, she wasn't, she was absent. Um, but at any rate, the remaining four supervisors vo- voted four to nothing, um, and they would waive that fee and then reimburse the costs for several dozen restaurant owners who had already Received a modified health permit, um, and then the article, and I'll link to this. And I have a bunch of links in this podcast episode, but um, the article in the San Diego Union Tribune commented that the waiver will cost the county between sixteen and twenty five thousand dollars in reduced revenues. I'm thinking, who cares if the county is losing money? I mean, that's not the problem. I mean, this is these are conditional use permits. This is if you're thinking about it from the county revenue perspective, this isn't lost revenue. This is gravy revenue. Um, this is revenue that they normally wouldn't have gotten. It was revenue that they were trying to get mostly because the Poway water system, you know, it was a cluster and screwed up. Um, so if you're going to talk about losses from this whole thing, we need to talk about the businesses that are losing money. The workers are losing money because the city government failed in how they managed the water system in Poway, um, but it, it it gets more interesting, and and like I say, this it's all becoming politicized, and and you know the 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 reporters, the journalists, you know to their credit, are doing digging, and I guess they found out that there was a um, there were twelve additional challenges to the water system that need to be fixed, and you know th- and this is recent news. I think this broke yesterday, and the the um, the reporter. I think this was from Channel 10 News, um, actually went to the state and got some public records. And they discovered that, yeah, that it says that some of Poway's distribution system reservoirs haven't been cleaned or inspected in more than five years. So reservoirs, I'm assuming they're talking about the water tanks that we see on the top of the hills. That's my assumption, uh, because I saw listings of all the different neighborhoods um, that were affected by this. So um, some of Poway's distribution system reservoirs haven't been cleaned or inspected in more than five years, that the city's coagulant feed pump meter isn't working, and that the city needs to update its water quality alarm system for chlorine and clarity. Now, are these things related to the problem that happened? I don't think so. Are these are these problems Something that was discovered prior to the the failure of the water system here sounds like it. Um, but at any rate, the city's got a long punch list of things they got to get done here uh, for the water system, and it is a shame that we're seeing this because this doesn't seem routine. Because if you're not doing regular maintenance, cleaning, inspection for over five years, then someone isn't doesn't have their eye on the ball. Um, so, you know this in many, I mean, it's a terrible crisis that happened, but in many ways, this is healthy because as they're turning over more rocks and we're seeing what's underneath, you know, we're, we're learning more, we're finding out where our current city is is failing and those are being exposed and i think that's good i think that's healthy and that's how that's what the beauty of what journalists can do is that they can keep our leaders our political leaders honest they provide a check to that and and just as a tangent that's why president trump is always attacking the media you know because he doesn't like them keep trying to you know hold him in check um but I like it when journalists are aggressive and and bringing facts to the table because um, that's what they should do. So um, I think we're, we're going to learn more as this unfolds, um, you know, as far as the inspection of the system. And I'm frankly very intrigued and in learning about this. And I'm really trying to set up a podcast with a local water expert just to talk about Water infrastructure and where water comes from. Um, you know, not just the infrastructure within Poway, but, you know, how the water gets here from the Colorado River and from the Sierra Nevadas. And uh, I think there's just, it's a very fascinating topic because we're so dependent on it. Um, so looking forward to learning more about this. But I think we're, yeah, as this report that just came out last night, I think there's going to be more to come on this. I think we're going to, continue to see this unfold. Now, the the community activists in, in Poway um, are, are very, it, it, they're, they're all fired up. And I talked about this before, where now that there is a problem that's been identified, a lot of the community activists in Poway, there are some that are very kind of pro-establishment, and there are some that are very anti-establishment, and they all have their reasons for it, and in many ways, they're right, and sometimes maybe they go a little too far, but overall, um, you're seeing, again, it's politicized, the community is engaged, the community is buzzing. We're starting to see um, some legitimate criticism of our mayor, Steve Voss, where You know, and and by and large, he's a pretty well-liked person, a very popular person. He's been elected as a city councilman. He was elected mayor. He was reelected mayor. Uh, So the vast majority of the community is strong supporter of Voss. But we're starting to see some of that support peel off a bit, you know, because they're saying, well, you know, what what are we learning? How is this guy really managing our city? Um, And one of the criticisms has been. That Voss and the city had always been kind of pointing the finger at Sacramento because, you know, they had, when the problem occurred, they had to report to Sacramento. Sacramento issued the boil water advisory. Then, once that was put up, then the county health department was what came in and shut down all the restaurants. And so, one of the criticisms that has been levied at Voss is that he was always deflecting. And it was interesting that he was deflecting to the state rather than the county. The county was what actually shut down the businesses. But he doesn't want to deflect to the county because he's running for county supervisor. So is the state holding the city of Poway back by issuing that boil water advisory? Yeah, they are. Um, But this is a multi-government thing, and every one of them is playing a role in restricting these businesses to do business, um, either because they are providing unhealthy water or, B, because they're making it difficult for them to reopen, even if they do have healthy water. So... Um, People have said, well, maybe the the mayor, what he could do is work with the county to waive those permits. Now, the county finally did waive those conditional use permits, but the mayor could have been more aggressive on that front. Um, The mayor could have really pushed to not just wait and deflect to the state, or the county, um, but instead be proactive and take charge to get those businesses reopened. So he, the mayor Voss got some criticism on that level, and then you know there, there's all the questions that are coming out. You know about the the infrastructure, and you know we're learning like the Clear Water System, which is the the reservoir of clean water after it's been filtered and gone through all of the cleansing systems. You know that reservoir of water um, at the Poway Water District is that what it is? I think it is up by Lake Poway. You know the storm drain was it was connected in a, in an unusual way, um, and I'm not going to get into the detail. There's diagrams that are posted, but the storm drain had backed up, and because it was flooded with so much water over Thanksgiving, that it it went and came up from underneath the the clear water reservoir and dumped dirty water into the clean drinking water. So now we're, you know, obviously there are people are saying, has it been inspected? And the city has said, hello, we've been inspected many times. No one's ever said anything ever. And now suddenly people are pointing out these things. So it's interesting. It's 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 all the city can be given plausible deniability by saying, "Hey, we passed the test," but really, these government inspectors—how good are they? Um, whether they're a state inspector, I don't know. If it's a county inspector, I don't really know exactly who's inspecting these. Obviously, the local city workers should be inspecting them as a core part of their way they do business. I'd imagine that they do, but. How good are these inspectors? And now, why are they suddenly finding all these problems that they missed for years, if not decades prior? So, this is just interesting how we're learning so much as this unfolds. Then, the city, uh, Mayor Voss kept claiming the water's healthy. The water, he goes, I'm drinking the water. I'm drinking the water. I'm, I'm d- giving water to my pets. Um, we've had the water tested, but they never released the test results. And you're thinking, hmm. Why is that? You know, if we want to be have a government that's transparent, that is sharing information, why are they not sharing the results of those tests? And there were a lot of people that, well, I don't know a lot, but there were some people, a lot of the more outspoken people um, in social media that they had gone out and gotten water test kits and they were because you know, some people are obviously very concerned about the water they drink and they want to make sure that it's clean. There's other people that are trying to create gotchas, you know, to, to, to see if they can catch the government failing. Um, but at any rate, again, that's what I say. One, one silver lining of this is that we're learning so much about it. We're turning over all these rocks. You know, sunshine is the best disinfectant. Transparency, transparency should be the order of the day. Why are the water test results not shared? Um, are there things that they are covering up? We don't know. Um, so we're learning a lot more about this. And, you know, it, it, this all comes at a time when the the water system in Poway, it's interesting because they just recently restructured the rates for water. And that's always tricky because, you know, for a, let's just say a single water user, an apartment versus a big water user that has multiple acres and has to water agriculture you know how do they how do they charge for water is it a is it a set fee and then incremental amounts you know actually a base rate and then incremental amounts based on usage is it tiered usage and they recently made a shift in that so the water rates have been a topic. And then this happens. And now people are wondering, oh, my God, they're going to have to invest all this money in water infrastructure improvements. The water rates are going to go up again. Um, And then another part of just classic bad timing on this is that we have a new city manager, Chris Hazeltine, um, who was hired. And it, it just so happened that they were at the point in his original employment contract, I think it was after six months, you know, this was his first gig as a city manager. Um, so they set his base pay at $230,000, which is, that's yeah, quite a bit of money. And um, they said after a six-month evaluation period, he would be eligible for a 7.5% raise, which, you know, an in, in evaluation period for six months and a potential bump up in pay, that's not that unusual of a thing. We see that often in the private sector. Albeit for jobs that are for a lot less money, but it just so happened that the time for his six month re- you know review and the approval for his pay increase happened to come on Tuesday of um, was it this past week I think so it was right around the time of this whole water crisis and that created a lot of you know you know, people are looking at it with a tilted head, like the RCA dog, asking, like, what's going on? You know, because the city is, you know, generally been a very well-run city financially. But they've all, they've been issuing warnings that their expenses are increasing at a faster rate than revenue, that the surpluses we've been enjoying now are likely to go away soon. Um, this is you know, largely driven by the pay increases, the um, employment benefits, the the pension programs for government workers, and we've talked extensively about that with Poway Unified School District going through the same thing, but far more egregious, far more irresponsible in the way the school district is handling it. But it's beginning to affect the city, and the city has got money set aside to build a community center, but you know, there, there's things coming up. There's major infrastructure uh, projects that need to be um, implemented as well. And now the city is giving a raise to the city manager. At the same time, they're going to have to fork over all this money to upgrade the water infrastructure. At the same time that, that the, um, the the forecasts for or the fiscal health of the city are becoming coming into question. So it's just interesting timing. So- um, the city uh, gave the raise to the city manager. His pay went from 230000 a year up to $247,250. Um, so he was praised for doing a great job, but it was just very awkward when the city manager really has responsibility for the water district and for the water infrastructure, and we're discovering all those problems. So, um, and like I said, this whole thing has been politicized. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. And this is why I want to get into Steve Voss. He's coming under fire. And I've said already that Steve Voss, you know, he's running for county supervisor. And this is, you know, one of the five seats at the county of San Diego. And, you know, it's a pretty high power position in the county. Um, certainly a big step up from being a mayor of a relatively uh, small city in, in the county. Um, so he's running and he's running obviously against Joel Anderson. Who is another Republican? Um, Joel Anderson, by the way, got the GOP local nomination, which I think surprised a lot of people. Steve Voss, who I thought had been playing this out pretty well—you know, very calculated, very careful with his branding, his messaging—had gotten the endorsement of Diane Jacobs, who's the sitting uh, council member on the um, on the excuse me, the sitting supervisor at the county. Had gotten her endorsement; she's backing him. Um, but we've starting, you know, we we are originally had Joel Anderson calling out Poway and Steve Voss for turning Poway into a third world city. I mean, just ridiculous propaganda. Um, but obviously, taking a shot at Voss at a time when Voss is vulnerable. But it got even crazier. Is that then a, another group of people came forward and they these were water district executives from various water districts in the county, um, specifically in East County, and they called themselves the East County Clean Water Coalition. And then they were hammering on Voss and saying, you're not handling this right. And then you peeled it back and you found out that this East County Clean Water Coalition, like, just suddenly appeared. It wasn't something that an organization that existed for a long time. And every one of these water district executives were supporters of Joel Anderson, of, of Steve Voss's opponent. So it just really smelled bad. Like you know, here we go. This is just the the craziness, the the hyperbole, the excessive drama in politics. I mean, on one level, it's interesting. It's like a soap opera. But on another level, it's just cheap shots you know, happening and. Well, maybe not so cheap. I mean, the Poway literally as legitimate criticism should be coming to the city of Poway because of this whole situation. But it's just you know you see the opposing politician using it as an opportunity. Um, but like I said, it's it's just becoming politicized. And then over what was it was it last weekend? Um, yeah, it was last weekend. Uh, my wife and I, we were invited to a friend's home and they had a holiday party and we were having a wonderful time and chatting with neighbors. And, you know, one person there, um, he was the host of the party, actually was commenting that could this be Steve Voss's downfill, his Achilles heel? Could this water situation be what ultimately takes him down? Because um, sometimes that happens with politicians, you know it'll be a a crisis that may have been their doing or may not have been their direct doing, but it it happened while they happen to be in office. Will that be the thing that takes this person down, takes Steve Voss down? And we were speculating that it's definitely hurting him. Um, But how much? And I think we're going to learn. And, you know, I made a comment earlier that in many ways, I think the mayor, any mayor, well, any political leader, mayor, governor, president of the United States, they're like an NFL quarterback, you know. They, they, are they're a lightning rod. They're a focal point, point. Um, and in this case, that's what Steve Voss, Poway Mayor. He is the focal point, and he makes himself a focal point with his branding. You know, he's got a persona, the cowboy hat. You know, he is a character. He is a personality. And that's working. It's historically always worked well for him, um, but now when there's negative news, you know it. there's a there's a second edge to the sword and i think he's feeling it but like i said the mayor is like an nfl quarterback because they're going to get more credit than they typically deserve but they also get more blame than they typically deserve and steve voss has gone a long way in promoting poway as one of the safest if not the safest city in san diego county Um, and you know he rightfully sort of takes credit for it. Obviously, he defers to our sheriffs and the work they do, but that's all part of his fiefdom um, because the city is who pays for the county sheriffs to be here. Um, At the same time, you know Poway has been lauded as a wonderful community, a place to raise a family. It is scored really high as one of the most, uh, um, you know, the greatest communities, greatest cities in in, in the in the state of California, uh, for quality of life and and raising a family, and Steve Vosses, you know, shared those and directly or indirectly taking credit for that. Um, I don't think that's. I, I I if I were mayor, I'd be doing the same thing. I mean, because that's the way the game is played. But then when we have a situation like this where the water goes uh, becomes a problem, then the mayor is going to get. Criticism as he rightfully should. Now, is the mayor actually the one making the decisions on the water infrastructure? Is he, you know, have a wrench in hand and replacing the pipes? I mean, obviously not. Um, Obviously, the mayor has a city manager, um, Chris Azeltine, we just talked about, and then he has his team um, of people that are responsible for this. Um, But in the end, The mayor is the lightning rod. The mayor is going to get credit when they may not necessarily deserve it, but also blame when they may not necessarily deserve it. And I I think it just sort of comes with the territory. So um, it's fascinating to see how this plays out. Um, Steve Voss has been um, very proactive and really talking about how the Poway, the city of Poway is coming together and we're doing all these things. And he's really putting a positive spin on it. City council members are backing uh, Mayor Voss and really the whole city council. They're all very tightly aligned. There's not very much partisanship or division on the city council. They're all of like mind and they're all big supporters of the mayor. And they're out there publicly defending them. Um, So, again, very curious to see what happens because I think we're going we're gonna to discover more information. This is going to unfold more. We're, we're going to learn more about the infrastructure uh, of our water system in Poway. We're going to learn more as journalists are turning over more rocks. We're going to learn more as our local um, community activists keep doing their digging. Um, and and I think v- Voss's opponents are going to keep firing shots. Um, So is this going to be a news cycle that's going to uh, be hot here for a few weeks and then go away? Or are we going to start seeing this percolate and continue for a period of time? I'm curious. So... um, you know this podcast. It's all about, like I say, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I cover local issues in San Diego County, in particular, in this North County inland area. You know, Poway, Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos, Forest Ranch, Carmel Mountain Ranch, Saber Springs. So I'm fascinated by this. I'm interested in this, and I, I feel that you know I'm going to continue covering it, and I'll share my thoughts, my opinions. I know a lot of the players involved, um, and I, I think I have some insight on this, and I, I and I'm going to keep sharing this with you. So, man, it's just a, a fascinating story. Um, but before we get to the next bit, I want to get into the whole the restaurants more specifically, and and what they're going through. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor PowayStore.com. Uh, come on out to PowayStore.com, and they've got shirts. Uh, long sleeve shirts, short sleeve shirts. They've got glassware, all these things with the city of Poway's name on it. It's pretty cool, you know. Some really clever um, shirts that are out there. Um, there's one that's like you know straight out of Poway, and you know, like the straight out of Compton logo. Um, but some neat ones with American flags and and other shirts that I think are really nice. They come in a lot of different colors. Um, so go to Poway store. Dot com. They also have holiday ornaments with the city of Poway's name on it, um, shirts, T-shirts, magnets, stickers, all kinds of things. So go to PowayStore.com. Great opportunity for some last-minute Christmas shopping or a stocking stuffer at PowayStore.com. So go check it out. Um also, uh, just one more thing. I, one of the things I'm working on in the podcast really trying to build the mailing list. So please join me. Uh, come out to com slash subscribe. Go out there. Sign up on our mailing list. We'll be sending out more information, newsletters, letting you know more uh, news stories that are happening in the area, more interesting tips. Um, so, you know, join the list. I'll give you some, you know. Behind the scenes things that are going on with this podcast, if that's of interest to you. But uh, if you want more information about the John Riley Project, go to johnrileyproject slash subscribe and get on our mailing list. Okay, so let's get into the restaurants and the business that they're going through. And you know, if you're an owner of a business, I mean, I, I own my own business. It to me. As a business owner, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done in my career. Uh, it's the most rewarding and fulfilling thing I've ever done in my career as well. But it's not easy being a business owner, um, especially a small business owner, where you know you're an entrepreneur and you're wearing many hats and you're scrambling and keeping all you know all, all these plates spinning trying to keep them going and keep your finances flowing and keep your employees happy and attracting new customers and having an operation system or a production system that's, you know, delivering the products and services for your customers um, and and dealing with all the regulatory and the taxes and everything. It's hard. Um, Business owners put in a ton of hours, particularly small business owners. Um, So anyways, this was an interesting quote. And this came from Marsha Kaminsky, and she's the owner of Kaminsky's, which is, you know, one of the bigger restaurants in Poway, a sports bar. They have live entertainment there, lots of big screens there for watching the big ball games. Um, And it's down on Poway Road. And and she said that restaurants operate on a 5% profit and are a day-to-day business. Quote, when they're not open for a week, some restaurants can't recover, she said. Uh, Kaminsky added she had heard of restaurants on Pow- Scripps Poway Parkway that would not be reopening following the closure. And that's the sad part of the story. And I mean, think about that. Th- these businesses are bringing in, you know, revenue and you know, they're charging money for food and drink and everything else. And. That that adds up to quite a bit of money. Obviously, the revenue that comes into these restaurants, but at the end, you know, they really only have a five percent profit margin at the very end of the day. And you know, one little blip in your system, one hiccup, can th- throw everything into into havoc because that margin is just so thin. And so, imagine your business gets shut down for a week, and if you're only operating on a five percent margin most of those businesses are going to ask their they're going to tell their employees there's no work for them. And so uh, but meanwhile, even while there's they're shut down for a week, they still got to pay rent. They still have to pay utilities. They still have to pay for their insurance. All those overhead costs, those don't go away. Um, But there's no revenue coming in. So they end up having to let their employees go for a week or so that puts a huge you know stress on the employees obviously um, many of them you know we're talking about businesses or a day-to-day business many of the employees are paycheck to paycheck kind of people as well so that really is a tough call for them um, but for I'm really focusing on these business owners they they are struggling when they get shut down for a week and you know like a big corporate chain they can handle it you know the, from a corporate perspective, they can, they can manage that flow. But if you're a mom and pop shutting down for a week is, could be crushing. Um, and then, you know, we did a podcast, gosh, it was earlier in 2019. We went down to the Adams Avenue area, you know, down in Normal Heights. And we visited with Bob Pasella from Sabuku Sushi. And I did a podcast there and I invite you to go back and look up that episode. It was fascinating to hear what he went through as a business owner, to get his as his business set up, um, to get all of his permitting organized, and and how he struggles getting employees. You know, we don't often hear from the business owner. For, usually when a, a restaurant owner is talking in the media, they're talking about the things they're doing for their customers and and the you know the goodwill they're creating in their community, which is great. But Bob really gave us sort of a behind the curtain look of what it's like as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And you know, he was commenting about how good employees are very hard to find. Um, and and you know, some, some employees are flaky, they can, you know, no show, you know, no call, no show happens quite a bit. Um, and then he has to jump in and cover as a as a business owner. Um, he might be suddenly suddenly, you know, washing dishes or cooking food when the worker calls in sick. It's a scramble for a business owner because they have to wear many hats. And it was interesting that he said that you know, he had a 1,500-square-foot space out there on Adams Avenue in Normal Heights, um, you know, just south of Highway 8. And he had to pay the city of San Diego $25,000 just to approve his plans that's like extortion. Um, why do you have to pay the government $25,000 just to approve your plans? I mean, that's just insane. Um, and he said he had to spend over $300,000 before a single cu- customer walked in the door. So again, imagine these business owners that now suddenly they were forced to shut down. Okay. The same county that charged these businesses, tens of thousands of dollars to approve their plans to get set up is the same entity that shuts them down and says you can't go into business because the government, in this case, the city of Poway, you know, screwed up the water. So this is really hard on these guys. And they're only operating on a 5% margin. And it's day to day business because, you know, the food they buy is perishable, You know, a lot of the, you know, depending on what it is, like if you're buying other drinks like milk, that's perishable. So it's hard for these guys. And, you know, we're really feeling the pain. And when the government comes in and screws up on the water or the government comes in and says, oh, yeah, we screwed up on the water. But we'll let you open it up again with a conditional use permit, but you got to pay another 450 bucks for that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, these business owners, it's tough enough for them. So then as I was preparing for this podcast, it was suddenly I learned about Encinitas. And there's a really good article in the San Diego Reader. And um, it was titled, Why These Nine Encinitas Restaurants Are Closing. And it was a fascinating Discussion that was in that article and in the comments to the article, which were equally as good, when people were writing in, and I'll just share some of these things that these Encinitas restaurant owners were going through. And granted, their water worked. <laughs> okay, so imagine um, when, when I'm sharing these situations with you. Imagine if they're going through these things and you got shut down for a week because the water was failing. So, um, one a restaurant, you know, Greek American family restaurant, the owner was retiring. And that's why they're shutting down. And that was an interesting angle to this. I saw an article, uh, it was yesterday actually, talking about how a lot of baby boomers are business owners and they're not necessarily turning their business over to someone else. They're not necessarily selling it. In many cases, they're just going to shut it down when the owner retires. Excuse me. Um, That's going to be a huge impact on the economy because those businesses employ you know, millions of people, tens of millions of people work for these small businesses. When business owners retire, it's not a a guarantee they're going to be able to sell their business. Um, It's in many cases, they're just going to kind of wind it down. And that's what happened here. Um, and one of the other restaurants in Entigny is closed down was the McDonald's. I guess it caught on fire, um, but uh, they're going to reopen that one. But again, that's McDonald's, so, so they have the financial resources to do that. Many other businesses a fire, which is crush them, and they may have insurance for the fire, but it just wipes out everything. You know, it wipes out um, you know their food, and, and they're going to have a deductible, which will probably be significant, and then their employees are. You know they probably have to be let go. And then a lot of them found new jobs and they got to hire new people. A fire for a mom and pop business can completely destroy them, literally, um, even if they have insurance. So here in Encinitas, that's one of them. But it gets even more interesting. And this gets to rents. And this is a common objection from business owners, from restaurant owners, that, oh, my God, the rent is so high. It reminds me of that guy that ran for governor in New York. The rent is too damn high. So um, but like, listen to this. This is a very interesting story. So Steve Amster, a 23 year old, excuse me, a 23 year owner of Garden State Bagels um, across the street from three of the closed restaurant sites, says the reason for these closures is rapidly raising rents. He says, even in a high real estate market, shopping centers are being bought and sold, which makes sense, right? But every time a center is sold, the Prop 13 controlled property taxes reset. Um, so in his 16 unit center, which changed hands recently, the new owner's property taxes were adjusted upward radically. Then rents have to go up to cover that increase and it forces some businesses to leave. And this is this is a, right on the money here. So let's let's really explore this. So a lot of times you'll hear people say yeah the rent's too high. And yeah, rent's expensive. Rent we talked about the housing crisis in San Diego County. There's not enough housing here because the government restricts development and the demand is so high. When you have high demand and limited supply, then prices go up. I mean it's econ 101. But the same things happening at the commercial level. So when when we have Huge demand for uh, commercial property to lease these spaces, and there's limited supply. um, Then you're going to start to see those rents go up. But it gets complicated when the the property owners' property taxes suddenly take a huge increase. Because if that property, this is one of the blessings and curses of Prop 13. So if the property was, I'm going to make up some numbers. If the property was sold 20 years ago for a million bucks that property may have appreciated to 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, excuse me, by now in the last 20 years, but from a property tax perspective it only goes up about 2% a year. So that million dollar property that was bought 20 years ago might only be from a property tax perspective be worth, I don't know, 1.4 million, 1.8 million, something like that, probably far less than what the value of that property is worth from a property owner perspective, that's a great thing, especially in the housing market where property taxes, if they go up that aggressively, that can force people on fixed incomes out of their houses. It could be a huge impact. But the same is true at the business level. But then once that property is sold, that million dollar property now was maybe sold for five million, then that assessed value gets reset and the property taxes are based on that five million dollar amount. So that property owner is not only paying you know in this case, a shopping center is paying for the five million dollar amount of that property. and I'm sure the numbers are way, way bigger than that. I'm just using these as an example, but they're now suddenly having a significantly higher property tax amount. and really, businesses don't pay the tax. they don't. They, they, the customers pay the business, and that's what the business uses. To pay the tax, so in this case, the the when the property tax goes up, that that's, translates into higher rents for those property let le- people that are leasing. Uh, in this case, is the businesses, and that puts a huge squeeze on them when their rent goes up so dramatically. In some cases, they try to pass that cost down to the customer, but we all see restaurant prices are going up dramatically and sometimes customers are saying the heck with that and they stop going to those businesses. And now those business owners are in a squeeze and they end up getting run out of business because they can't afford the rent any longer. In many cases, that rent could be a huge nut it could be, you know, for a small space could easily be ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month just for the rent. Um, so another person Commented, and this was in the in the. I'll share the 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 article from the reader in the show notes. But the 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 comments in that article were fascinating, and this is a person wrote in on the comments, and she said, "I am the owner of the subway that closed." The landlord didn't give me any choice but to close. They didn't care. It would not negotiate a month-to-month decent-priced lease. They also allowed a drive-through Starbucks that not only killed our sales, but changed the entire traffic flow away from our store. So imagine, yeah, you're, you own a subway uh, restaurant. You, know, you had to pay you know the franchise fees and all that to get in business. And now, did the, did the landlord force them to close? I don't think so. Most likely what happened is the landlord came in and dramatically increased the price, probably because they just bought it. They're the new landlord. And now they have this huge property tax bill. They raised the rent to a point where this subway owner just couldn't afford it any longer. And that's why they're no longer in business. So again, it goes back to those property taxes. Now, some other businesses are really affected by the competition. And the business, competition in the restaurant Industry is just fierce. It's ferocious. Customers can be fickle. You know, you can enjoy a restaurant and suddenly have a bad experience and never go to them again or go to a restaurant for a while and maybe tire of them and then not go there again. Customers can be fickle. The business is very competitive. So here's another, another, rest, uh, another sandwich guy. He said, open since 1980. Um, when asked why two restaurants next door to his Subman sandwich shop went out of business... Owner Tim Lee said, there's too much competition. There are too many restaurants around. You know, and other people were saying, like I mentioned, the franchise fees for some of these businesses, you know, if you own a Subway or, I don't know, we, we can come up with any of those name brand restaurants, you got to pay a chunk of money just to get involved, to pay the franchise fee. And then those businesses, the the, the corporation will peel off a certain percentage of sales on those businesses, regardless if those businesses are profitable or not. So the point I'm getting at is it's tough being a business owner. It's tough when it's a competitive environment. It's tough when you're only operating on a 5% margin. And any little blip in the system can completely throw off the economic model. You know, when the rent goes up, when the city shuts down the water, um, or in this case, when the rent goes up because the property tax rates went well. The property tax bill went up dramatically. So the government plays a very key role here. Where you know they're the rule makers. They're the ones that charge the taxes, set the regulations. That's why I objected to the city of Poway propping up some businesses rather than others. Um, the government plays that role as the umpire, as the referee, as the rule maker, the rule enforcer. Um, They have a huge impact on the success or failure of these businesses. And so when they are already creating this environment that it makes business so difficult, and then suddenly they screw up and shut off the water for a week, then it, yeah, some of these businesses can be literally crushed because of this. Um, now, one other restaurant owner, he blamed it on the poor economy. Um, and this is a very fascinating topic. But first, let me read the quote. Um, longtime restauranter uh, Gary Sova, owner since 1970 of Captain Kino's restaurant on Coast Highway 101, says he believes the reason for the closures is the economy is not as good as we're being told. Um, and he went on to say that um, the seven, he, he and the 7-Eleven owner, they agreed. The 7-Eleven owner said she um, has to bring in her family to help out. My store is worth half of what it used to be. We couldn't sell it if she, we wanted to. And this is an interesting comment. So on one level, we're being told the economy is doing great. And a lot of that is because of the dude in the White House. President Trump is obviously a promoter and, and he's pumping that up. And there's no doubt that in some segments of the economy, things are going very well. And we've been on a nice run here for like, what, about 10 years or so uh, of a bull market. Um, the stock market obviously doing very well. But on Main Street, it's tough, man. And you, you, as much as you hear people comment about how great the economy is, the GDP growth rate last quarter in Q3 was only about 2%. I mean, that's pretty anemic. That's not a very good growth rate. Um, you're, the, the economy, I don't think, is as good as people think it is. Um, and so when these businesses are struggling and trying to, you know, manage this process of attracting customers, having, you know, recruiting and retaining quality employees, training their staff, um, dealing with perishable goods, um, you know, dealing with the fickleness of customers, the competitive environment for customers. It's hard to be a business owner. It's really hard to be a restaurant business owner. Um, And when some of the policies of the government are actually impacting their business negatively. And it's not just water. It's not just regulations. Um, You know, it's not just the county shutting people down. It goes beyond that. I mean- President Trump talks about this this trade war. He thinks he's winning it, but the trade war is harming our economy. Our trade war is increasing the price of goods that we buy. The trade war is affecting the performance of businesses. And that's why he has to go and subsidize farmers because – the the trade war has negatively impacted farmers in America. So the trade war is having a, a dragging effect on the economy. The trade war has increased tariffs, which increases taxes, which has a dragging effect on the economy. So some of these business people are saying the, the economy is not as good as we're being led on to believe. Very interesting point. And I, I think that's true. In many segments of the economy, some segments are doing great. some segments are booming, other segments not so much and overall, a two percent growth rate in the United States of America, generally speaking, they say two to four percent is considered in the sort of healthy zone so if we 're at two, I saw one report was one point nine percent for GDP growth rate in q three. Um, that's, again, pretty anemic. That That's just kind of keeping up with inflation and population growth. It's not surges of growth. President Trump, when he campaigned for, in 2016, was promising 4%, 5%, even 6% GDP growth rate, which would be huge, which would be a booming economy. Um, we've seen that um, in the last 10 years, maybe a quarter here or there. We saw that on a more sustained basis in the late 1990s. Um, but, you know, obviously Trump is a show is a is a, is a promoter. He's a salesman um, and he was selling four five, six percent growth rates. People bought it. And the reality is we're at two. Um, the reality is that our growth rate is not very good. And I think we're going to we're going to find out what happens um, when we get the Q4 numbers. Now There'll be a boost, obviously, from the holidays. But it'll be intriguing. It'd be a very interesting to see if we got some of that data on. Well, I know we get it on a county level, but even on a more localized level in Poway, it'd be fascinating if that information is available. But there's another one here, and um, it's the minimum wage. That's another huge crushing um, situation for business owners. And each time the, the minimum wage goes up, that increases the um, costs for uh, labor for those businesses. And here is another person that shared a comment in, on that article in the reader from, about the Encinitas restaurants. And, and he said, when our family's favorite restaurant in Carlsbad closed last year, Bistro West, the owner said it was the new minimum wage that no longer made it profitable to keep open. And that makes sense. Now, I understand that it's expensive to live in California. I understand the minimum wage for some people is not a living wage. Um, This, I think, this should be a podcast in and of itself. And I've made a comment of that previously. I need to do a minimum wage podcast. But but basically, the minimum wage just went up a dollar, and then it's going to go up another dollar at the beginning of the year. When you're operating on a 5% margin, that's a huge impact. You might think, oh, it's only a dollar. But if you've got lots of employees, and they're all getting, the ones at the minimum are getting a level of a dollar. Well, all the other employees are going to expect raises too, because now suddenly the entry-level workers are making a wage closer to their supervisor. So the supervisor is going to want more, and then the manager is going to want more than that. And it has a cascading effect. If you're a worker, hey, that's great but if you're a business owner it's like oh my god now how am i going to do this and that's why we're seeing these cases of restaurants you know closing in the city of san francisco we're hearing a lot of mixed commentary about the raising of the minimum wage in seattle some people are pointing to it as a success other people pointing to it as a failure i mean in my opinion you know businesses um, there 's a lot of variables in the equation and we 've gone over a lot of those in this podcast. A lot of variables in the equation that determine success if the minimum wage goes up, but the economy in that general area is really robust, and people have a, you know there 's a lot of money to be spent, businesses are starting the the local economy is growing it can grow and and have a A much more positive impact than the negative impact of the minimum wage on the business owner. And in some cases, the rise in the minimum wage may not destroy a business. But not every economy is experiencing amazing growth. Not every economy is Seattle. Um, Other economies are struggling. And when a $1 an hour raise is forced on these businesses. They may be left with the only opportunity is to either cut expenses somewhere else. And they're doing that by laying off employees. They're doing that by reducing hours. Target just did that as well. They, they raised their minimum wage, their own minimum wage, not the government's wage. They raised their own entry-level wage, which was lauded. People thought that was a great thing. But and they had to compensate for it somewhere else, and what they ended up doing is cutting hours for their employees. Now some businesses can try increasing prices to make up for it. And we've even commented about that. There are some businesses that will add like a 4% fee on top of the bill, and they call it like a labor fee. Um, that happened to my wife and I. We went to that Ventana restaurant in Escondido that's up on top of that Lexus dealership. It's a beautiful restaurant. Nice kind of for a special occasion, white tablecloth restaurant. But they had like a 4 or 5% um, additional fee, and it was for labor costs. So some businesses are doing that, and some businesses can get away with it, especially if you're a really high-end restaurant. But a mom-and-pop diner kind of restaurant may not be able to get away with it because the competitive nature and the fickleness of customers um, would make it challenging. So again, we're seeing government with their policies putting in place, raising minimum wages, regulatory environments, raising property taxes, screwing up water systems, shutting down businesses because they screwed up the water system, charging money for temporary permits because they shut down the water system and screwed that up. So these, the government is, in many t- cases, screwing these business owners and making it even harder for them to do business. Now, I, I'm making a big point of this. I, I talk about this business, uh, This podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that means I'm a I'm big proponent of free trade. We should be knocking down these barriers. We should be unleashing these business owners and entrepreneurs to make it easier for them to be in business, not harder. Um, and if we allow... You know, Essentially, imagine a river flowing, and you've got all these dams and obstructions that restrict the flow of water. That's why the economy is only growing at a 2% rate, because the government sets up all these barriers that block the flow of the water, the flow of the economy. Imagine if we can unleash those dams and those barriers, and that river can start really flowing, the economy can really start going. That's what I'm a big proponent of. And when I see all these cases where the government sets up these barriers, or they just flat out screw up. Um, you know, they, they need to be called out for that, and and then that's the reason why you know we only have a two percent GDP growth rate. Oh, and then the other thing that these business owners were commenting about in the article and this might have been in the comment section of the, the San Diego Reader article about the Encinitas businesses, was that San Diego gas and electric rates are going up. And that's crazy too. I mean, thank God we put solar on our home and now our rates are you know, consistent for the next 20 years. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, solar, um, huge. I mean, huge uh, opportunity. But a lot of these businesses, you know, they're leasing space and the owner doesn't use solar. And so- they have, they have to pay really high gas and electric rates. And the electric rates in San Diego County are some of the highest in the country. It's extraordinarily expensive. Uh, but they got to keep the lights on, the air conditioning on. They got to run all their, you know, the machines and, and all of their equipment so they can prepare food and make it a, a nice environment for customers. But it's, it's tough. Um, so, yeah, he, he, other people were commenting saying small, biz, small families wanting to go out for a quick bite. Um, are not prepared to spend three bucks for iced tea or seven bucks for a some small glass of cheap wine or beer. If the average family of three is looking, they're looking at a $50 bill if they want some ambience and quality. That's true. Absolutely true. Um, so eating at restaurants in California is much more expensive than in other cities across the nation, especially with additional taxes. Um, you know, note to people uh, for the diner, a California pizza kitchen uh, you know, without alcohol can be 50 bucks just for pizza and salad. It's true. It's expensive. Um, and a lot of the reasons it is expensive is because of the taxes, because of the regulations. And these business owners are faced with it. And in some cases, they can get away with these high prices. In other cases, they can't. And then they fold and they go under. So it's just interesting. So- um Wow, so much here. So, you know, the, the Poway water deal, I mean, we're going to learn more. Um, I think as these journalists keep turning over rocks, we're going to discover more information. Our community activists are going to keep digging. I know they will. Um, there's some people that have already announced that they're running for city council in 2020 here in town. I know they're going to keep digging and trying to throw dirt. <laughs> you know, no pun intended. That's what the dirt is what got into the water system. But um, we're going to keep learning more. And I'll keep sharing with you what I know. And I know for some of you that are here in Poway, many of you already know a lot of this. Um, Some people maybe don't, but there's a lot of people that don't live in Poway that maybe have no idea what's going on in our little city. And I want to share that with you uh, to give you some insight on what's going on. Uh, Steve Voss is a character. We're going to keep an eye on him. Um, I think his future you know, this is a this is a junction point. This is an inflection point on the curve for him. Is he gonna? Is his trajectory still going to keep going, or is this water crisis going to be a hit? And is it going to take him down? Um, the politicization of this whole situation just fascinating. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep following it. Um, hey, I, what? A, you know, we're at Christmas time here, you know, and one thing. If you want to give a gift to me, I'm <laughs> here. I am. I'm begging for gifts. But the one thing you can really do, if you want to help me out, is share this podcast with people. Let them know about the John Riley Project. You know, share the link um, on your Facebook page or on Twitter or on Instagram. Let people know about this. That would be so helpful. Um, if if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a leave us a, a rating for us. You know, up to five stars if you think we deserve it. Um, Leave some comments. Any of, anything like that could be great, greatly helpful. Okay, and I, I always finish up every podcast episode with a quote, and this one is from one of my favorite guys, um, a Nobel-winning um, economist, Dr. Milton Friedman. Um, and I tell you, I'm a free market guy. He's a big free market guy as well. And he says, many people want the government to protect the consumer. A much more urgent problem is to protect the consumer from the government. <laughs> That's a fitting quote for the to end this podcast episode. So thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. Happy holidays to you. We'll be coming after you with some more episodes. This was episode 98. Our next one's 99, and we'll be closing in on 100. So have a great holiday season. Have a great day. And I'm signing off. Thanks again, friends, and have a great day. Bye-bye.